Please pray with me. Lord God, we thank you that you are here in the midst of us now, Lord. We pray that you would speak to our hearts, that you would open them up, Lord, so that you can fill them with your good news. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Good morning. So good to see you all today. Well, on Wednesday, I decided to go for a hike uh, during my reflection time. And since the Lord has seen fit to not give us much snow lately, I decided to go up in the high country because, you know, you can still, right? And so uh, I went up off of Highway 20 on the way up to, to Donner on a Bowman Lake Road, right? You know, so I'm driving down Bowman Lake Road, and parts of it are icy. It's no big deal. I'm going along real slow. And then I come around the corner across a creek and see this corner that is just a sheet of ice, complete sheet of ice. And it's a hairpin corner, and it's an ascending hairpin. So it goes like this, and then it turns around back, back on itself. But like the upper part is like way above you. And it's just like an, a skating rink on the side of a hill. And so what do you think I did? I drove right up it, of course, like you would do, right? So I put it in four-wheel drive low, and I start creeping up it, and I go up just fine. Then I get to the top and I realize, well, I've done this. Now, I don't want to go much further because I, think, I know the rest of the road and it's going to get worse than this because I'm just going to go up and up and up and it's going to get slicker and slicker. And so I decided, okay, I'll just come back down again and go back and find another place to go. So I put it in reverse and just backed up down the first section to the, to the apex of the, of the hairpin. And then I turned around. I was doing just fine at this point. Turned around. Started going down the hill, and at the spot where it trans transitioned to the flat, suddenly the back of my car wanted to be in the front. <laughs> right? I was doing less than a mile an hour, four-wheel drive low, first gear, no gas, no brakes, just creeping along, and suddenly, shh, I'm sideways in the middle of the road. Right? Fortunately, no one else drives on this road. They're, pretty sm they're smarter than I am. <laughs> And so I'm sideways, so finally I creep out of there, but it was so slippery, I couldn't believe how slick that ice was. And so, because I had learned my lesson so well, I decided to drive up another place, right, up to the, the lookout tower up on the top of Grass Ridge. And this road was all snow, right, the whole way up. But you know what? I didn't slip at all on that other road. Do you know why? Gravel was there, too, but it was deep enough that the gravel was all covered. Something else had happened. Remember that windstorm we had? What was it, two weeks ago? Right, when everything was blowing all over the place? You know what blew all over that, that little road up to the lookout tower? Pine needles and branches like this. And trees, too, right? Some people had cleared the trees out, thank God. But they were all over the road. And you know what happened? My car climbed right over that. It gripped right onto this pine needle, whereas on the ice it had slipped, even though it wasn't that steep. On that other road that was quite a bit steeper, the car just went with nary a slip of a wheel. Amazing, isn't it? And I was glad, too, because oh, you slip and you're going right off the edge. That would have been a real bummer. So, that's the lesson I learned, right, was the pine needles changed the way that I could travel. They changed everything about it. That humble little pine needle laying on that ice allowed me to get enough traction to stay on the road. Now, thinking about our Old Testament passage, um, we know this passage, we've heard it before, right, from Isaiah? It was written during the 8th century BC, and 
It is the passage of prophecy in which Isaiah speaks of the ways in which God is going to bring good news. He is going to bind up, he is going to liberate, and he is going to free those who are oppressed, brokenhearted, brokenhearted captives, or prisoners. Isaiah calls this time of deliverance and this time of redemption, he calls it the year of the Lord's favor. It is a time in which God's power is being poured out in the world. Now, the amazing thing about this passage is not necessarily when it was first given, but where we see it again in the Bible. Anyone remember where in the New Testament we see this passage, or who says it? Jesus, that's right. Jesus, at the beginning of his earthly ministry in Luke chapter 4, stands up in the synagogue and reads this very passage from the scroll of Isaiah. And then he says, Today this scripture has been what? Fulfilled in your hearing. And then he sits down. I'm a little disappointed that he sat down at that point. I don't know about you, but reading this passage, it kind of boggles my mind what precisely Isaiah is talking about. I would have appreciated a multi-point sermon on this passage from Isaiah from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It would have really helped me today because I would have been able to understand more about what Isaiah meant and what Jesus meant in interpreting that passage. What did it mean that he had fulfilled that passage that day? Because when I look at it, I know there's a lot of people that Jesus healed in his time on earth. I know that he delivered a lot of people from demonic oppression. I know that he did a lot of amazing things, forgave sins. But there's still a lot of sick people out there. Anybody know a sick person? The Army football team, yeah. Anybody know uh, somebody who, who might need deliverance from a hard thing they're under right now? Anyone know someone who's suffering or brokenhearted? Yeah, we all know people like this. Maybe we are those people right now. There's a lot of oppressed folks out there. And I know Jesus said that this was fulfilled in their hearing, but I don't see the complete fulfillment of the scripture yet. Do you? So perhaps God was speaking about something deeper than what I read on the surface of this passage. Perhaps the oppressed, the brokenhearted, the captives and the prisoners are those who are spiritually bound. Those who inside themselves are suffering under some type of burden or oppression or imprisonment. And do I see Jesus breaking those bonds inside people? Do you? Yeah, I see that a lot. I see all kinds of people whose lives are transformed by the power of the gospel working inside of them. I see people who are delivered from a heart that is filled with darkness and filled with a heart of light through the power of Jesus Christ. This is what our ministry is all about, right? It's about the power of the gospel working through the blood of Jesus in people's lives. But I'm also wary of over-spiritualizing the words of Isaiah and Jesus of only seeing them in a spiritual dimension. Because is God concerned with the physical body? Does he care about your body? Did he care in his uh, earthly ministry about people's bodies? Yeah. What did he, when he saw a leper, leper, what did he do to him? He healed them many times. Yeah, when he saw a paralytic, what did he do? He healed them. He made, gave, let them walk. When the bleeding woman touched his garments, was she healed or not? Where was she healed? 
Her body was healed, right? Her physical body was healed. God cares about the body. So we can't just over-spiritualize it and say, oh, Isaiah and Jesus were only talking about the spirit. They had nothing to do with the body. No, somehow they were talking about both the body and the spirit. Isaiah understood and Jesus understands that there needs to be a tangible way in which the year of the Lord's favor is working out in this world. It's not just about the spirit. There's more to it than that. And the way in which Jesus Christ fulfills this healing of the world, this healing of bodies and souls, is through the church. When I use the church here, I don't mean the staff of Emmanuel or you all sitting in the pews. I mean all Christians, all who have Jesus as their Lord and Savior, regardless of their denomination. We, the church, are called to be the hands of Jesus, reaching out to the the oppressed and tangibly blessing them. Not just saying a blessing beyond you, but helping them with whatever they are struggling with as well. Helping them to get their daily bread, their medical treatment, and giving them compassion in the process. Now, I don't know about you, but I've found this reaching out to those who are in need to be a messy business. Right? It's not as simple as as giving them a meal and that takes care of all their problems, is it? Right? Homelessness has been in the paper a lot lately. Anyone been reading up on it? Right, there was all this trash out at the homeless camp, and then it was cleaned up. What do you think is going to happen in the coming months at the homeless camp? There's going to be trash again, right? That's just how it happens. They don't have trash collection service there, right? So things are going to build up. It's not, excuse me, it's not as simple as a one-time solution. Things need to happen over and over again. The junk builds up not only in homeless camps but in our lives as well, and it needs to be cleared out over and over and over again. So in the same way as I didn't want to over-spiritualize the Isaiah passage, I don't want to over-physicalize the passage. That's not a word, but it should be, right? I don't want to make it all about physical captivity or physical oppression. Because the passage is not only about that. The passage is about both the body and the spirit. And so when we reach out to those in need, our physical gifts that we bring should always come with a spiritual gift. Evangelism and outreach always walk hand in hand for this very reason. Because in my limited experience, I can tell you that people in need, in all walks of life, not just homelessness, in all walks of life, don't only need the physical thing like healing from a disease or a home if they're homeless or money or a spouse who loves them. They also need hope. And where does hope come from? spirit. It only comes through faith in Jesus Christ. That's what they need as well. They don't just need that tangible thing. They need that ephemeral thing as well. That thing that they can't find anywhere else, that no one else is going to offer them. They need that as well. Now doing ministry to people who are in need is kind of like driving on an icy slope. If we try to deal with just their physical needs or even their spiritual needs on our own, we're going to be like me on that first hill. Right? We're going to get we're going to find out that there's no traction. We'll try and we'll try and we'll try to do it over and over again, but we'll find that we get turned around, that we spin out of control, that we lose our direction, and that we end up hurting them and us because we're not giving them everything that they or we need. 
But if we approach all that we do, not only our outreach, but every single thing we do with Jesus Christ and his gospel, then we can get traction. Because the reality is, is that Jesus Christ laid down his life so that the year of the Lord's favor could continue. Jesus Christ offered us redemption and forgiveness so that our lives could be transformed, so that not only we could have our daily bread, but that we could be forgiven of our sins as well. He, like this pine branch, laid himself down so that we could find hope, so that we could find traction to get to where he calls us to get to, so that we would not be directionless in this world but so that we could have strength and confidence to encounter the challenges that are presented to us in our lives and in the lives around us. He laid himself down for us so that we could have hope. Hope for today. But not only hope for today, but hope for another day. Hope for that day of the Lord that the prophet Isaiah wrote of, when judgment would take place, but also so would freedom and good news for those who do believe. May we, through God's grace, be instruments of his redemption and healing in this world through his blood that was shed for us. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you that you have died for us, Lord so that we could offer hope, Lord, to, to us, so that we could receive hope from you, Lord, but so that we can also share your message of hope with those around us. Lord, there are so many who are in need, and the need is so great, Lord, it's like trying to drive up an icy hill. Lord, we just don't know how to get there, and we lose our direction. Lord, step into this ministry with us. Help us to reach out to those who are in need, not only with our hand, but with your hand as well. Lord, and we pray that you would give us traction, give us direction, give us strength, Lord God. Give us grace, give us compassion as well. Lord, so that people might be fed, not only physically, but spiritually as well. And that lives might be healed and transformed and strengthened for you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.